Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of 747 Conversations. This is a podcast, as you know, about gratitude, empathy, creative expression, telling the stories of the people that helped us get to where we are today. As you know, our goal is to bring on great leaders who have a unique perspective to life. Ones that maybe took a non-linear path. Ones that have been called names. Ones that have been uh, shoved in corners. This type of leaders who have a little unique way of moving through life. And today, it's going to be a fun one. I mean, we've got a, a swell, swell, swell individual who, oh, by the way, has been at the helm of many, many of uh, the more recognizable tech companies that have then been acquired. She's a great leader in the product and design space at the intersection of media and emerging tech, AI video tools. Hannah Donovan is with us. Right now, she's director of product for Visco, V-S-C-O, a photo and video editing platform with a focus on creative well-being. You've heard of it. You've probably hashtagged it. She's built companies like AI video editing apps, Trash, which Visco acquired. She's been general manager's. Some of the well-known tech companies, like Vine. You remember that thing. But her life leading up to this success was not linear. She has done things her way, and she's passionate about changing the ratio in tech for underrepresented people. I mean, here she is. Uh... As she, on her blog, states, a woman in tech, a queer, immigrant, not go to a fancy school, very little mentorship and coaching, she made it. And she's got some great stories to share with us. So strap in. Let's welcome Hannah Donovan to the podcast. Miss Hannah, it's an honor to have you. We were introduced a couple weeks ago through Brian Wish, and what a conversation this is going to be. Thank you so much, Chris. What a fantastic introduction. I'm so honored to be here to talk to you today. <laughs> now, I'm going to do something. I'm going to try to do something. I'm going to try to put my notes away. There are so many articles and crunch based pages and angel list pages and blog posts about you out on the internet, but I'm going to try just to have a chat person to person because we're going to have a good time. I can promise you that. And as you did your homework, <laughs> you know, we always like to start off with a particular question. For the audience that are listening, we've used this question to spark over 500,000 relationships in the last six years. And it seems to be the perfect question to insert at the start of every one of our 190 podcast episodes. Hannah, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to that 
you've never thought to thank, who would that be? And I know you did your homework, so I might have to ask some follow-up questions to, <laughs> to really go into it. I can't wait. Let's get into it. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on your show and for this excellent question to open up what I know is going to be a really fun conversation today. I want to start by saying that, first of all, there are so many people I could list, and this was so hard because I want to thank everybody. I want to thank my family, both past as well as present, my partner, my friends, my colleagues, even my dog that just you know loves me so much. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but But there's actually someone else. And the reason I want to name this person on your show is because I suspect that if I struggle with thanking this person, there might be some other people out here listening that struggle with this too. And that person is me. <laughs> right? Because we're all works in progress. So I'm getting better at it. And, um, and of course, having a relationship with yourself and leading yourself, this all takes real work. But man, like, I used to really, really suck at thanking myself and giving myself credit and acknowledging myself. And I'm a lot better at it now, <laughs> but um, I'm even I'm even struggling with it a little bit right now on your show. I'm not going to lie. It definitely doesn't come naturally to me. And I think I think being kind to ourselves doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. Why do you think that? Just in my conversations with um, with other people, especially with creative people, I think that it is it is really hard when you are like an ambitious, driven person, when you're seeking some kind of expression um, to take the time to stop and give yourself credit along the way for how long you've come or how far you've come when you're, when you're working towards some kind of uh, perfection or ideal or, or next step. And I used to like to give you an example of this. I used to joke that I liked what I made for about 24 hours before I was totally dissatisfied with it <laughs> and <laughs> wanted to do it all over again. Um, and then I remember having this conversation once um, with a friend of mine and he used to, or probably still does actually like put his work on his uh, iPhone screen, like lock screen. So he could like think about it and like sort of mentally mm -hmm. tweak it and also appreciate it. He said, and I was like, wow, if I did that, I would just like not be able to look at my phone. <laughs> but that was one of the first moments that I really got thinking about this. And I, I think now with this, with this um, concerted effort to give myself more credit for what I do, I, I probably stretch that 24 hour window to something that's more like a week or maybe even a month. <laughs> so um, mm. that feels good. Hmm. Hmm. Stretch, work, perfection, progress. Have you noticed the language you use to describe creative expression? Oh, absolutely. From, from what from what it sounds like, creative expression is the tool you use to accomplish something and therefore it's up for criticism. What type of world is it where creative expression is the antidote of doing something 
it's the invitation for the opposite, which is rest, reflection, and anti-progress. Mm-hmm. What world does that look like? Mm. I love that you asked that question. It's actually something that I've been thinking about and working on quite a lot in my current role, but I've definitely also worked on in past roles. And something that's kind of like a, an interesting tension about the type of work that I do is, so I build platforms and services for self-expression. So I'm often in the position of like working on creating the UI or the product flow or the means by which other people can use something to get that enjoyment, to get that sometimes rest, satisfaction, reflection, like moment of flow state in their day. But also um, using these tools and platforms for self-expression that sometimes become also incredibly competitive and uh, and like credit seeking too, because there's there's a lot of aspects to to creating things and putting it out on the internet today. I feel like that's almost a whole different podcast. Um, but something I'm really working on now in my current role is, is really focusing on how we create that space for creators um, to kind of get a little bit of rest and respite and create for yourself as opposed to creating for other people. But when I think about it for me personally, there's definitely a big distinction between the type of creative stuff that I do for myself that's maybe just for fun versus the stuff that I do in my job. And when you are a creative professional, of course, you're getting judged. Of course, this is this is part of the process. And so there is something there around also having to show progress and strive for um, industry standards or new things that have never been done before. Hmm. So you're aiming to create a space where creatives can pause. They can become rejuvenated, reflect to play. I want to ask you about a word that can create that type of flow state. And you used it in two blog posts, specifically one of the blog posts when you went to Holly Rad's anniversary party and you had these random two days off (laughs) for a weekend, bizarre weekend. And what you mentioned was one of the biggest things that helped you create a flow state of play and rest and reflection was the serendipity of running into people and having unexpected time to catch up with people. Hmm. How much does the word serendipity play into the idea of creative expression not being something that's done for work, but something that's done for well-being? Hmm. That's a great question. And serendipity is so, it's so personal because something that can feel serendipitous to one person can actually feel like Hmm. Uh, chaotic or (laughs) annoying (laughs) or frustrating to somebody else. And so I think that that's like a really, it's such a difficult thing to design for, but it is something that comes up a lot in conversations. That's for sure. I can't, I can't count how many times I've been in a meeting or a brainstorm where people have talked about like, how do we build space for serendipity into this UI or into this product flow for for people to have those moments. And 
my approach to it is sort of like, I kind of have like, I guess, a few different ways of thinking about it. One is personally trying to be aware of the types of things that help me feel like I'm having that serendipity and then trying to design my life around it a little bit more so that there's opportunities for that to happen. Like whether it's like a little bit of space in your day to like, hopefully like randomly run into someone to have that conversation or whether it's um, starting a day with like some type of inspiration or like looking at imagery to see um, like something I heard once that I, I used to do quite a lot more of and is a really fun design practice is like not start work until you found like five images that are really inspiring to you. It's, it's actually like harder than it sounds. Um, like that kind of thing. Um, I think the other approach is looking at what people are doing that seems to provide that serendipity for them on the platforms that I help create. And um, there were some really great examples of this. Uh, For instance, well, across many, many platforms, but like, I think one example that I've seen a lot over time is how people try and find ways to collaborate with each other, find ways to um, give each other spotlight or give each other credit to the point of <laughs> what we were talking about earlier with giving thanks. Um, there was actually a lot of that on Vine back in the day. And um, I've also seen it on other platforms that I've worked on too, like Last.fm. Um, I've seen it on uh, my first startup, this is my jam. And like looking at sort of like what people are doing, these, these behaviors that you didn't really design for, they weren't really like in the flow, but then people start to do them and then getting really curious about that when you see a pattern and be like, huh, I wonder how I could, uh, bolster this. And the technical ish term for this in design is called a desire path. It's sort of like, if you imagine someone, cutting through the grass as opposed to walking on the pavement and then being like, Oh, you know, people are cutting through the grass here. I wonder, wonder why that is what would happen if we, if we created a path there for them. So those are two ways that I, I like to think about serendipity, both in, in my creative life and practice, as well as in the products that I help create. Hmm. Structured serendipity. Yeah. I guess it's like making, a little bit of space so that I could, it might happen. <laughs> <laughs> but then is that actually serendipity? Mm. It's a good question. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't count as serendipity when you try to <laughs> try to um, or direct it, path, direct it, path. <laughs> direct the creative, creative path. <laughs> this is the serendipity path. Um, you that are developing these behavioral patterns, please get on the path, uh, pay the toll. You're on it. Meet each other. Have a good time. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. It's um, So if you do that for them, who does that for you? Or is that the purpose of giving gratitude to yourself on this call? Like, how do you create that space for yourself? Yeah, it's the it's the purpose of giving gratitude to myself and acknowledging acknowledging like what helps me tick or makes me feel more creative and kind of going back to that other perspective that I shared of like, how do I structure my time so that this might happen? Um, That's really important because I think 
something that like a lot of creative people struggle with, especially when you get to a certain point in your career, especially if you're managing people, if you're overseeing something as a leader, your calendar is going to get real filled up with a lot of stuff. And it becomes increasingly more difficult to have that maker time, to have that flow state time, to have that time for yourself. And so finding small pockets in my day where I know that I have the opportunity for my mind to wander a little bit, or there's a chance that I might have an interesting conversation are actually things that I've had to structure for myself a lot more as I've become more responsible for more things and become more busy. And like, especially as a startup founder, it's really important because I mean, you just, you just have no time, but then you're also responsible for like (laughs) in, you know, like coming up with really exciting product ideas with your team. And that, Mm -hmm. that takes, that takes like deep design time that takes very focused work. And that takes also those moments where something's just, you know, rolling around in the back of your brain and you're kind of not thinking about it. And then like, click, there's the idea when you Mm. least expect it. And so it is actually really important that you create pockets of time for that kind of stuff to happen. Because if there isn't any time for that sort of stuff to happen, I, I, speaking from experience, like I've noticed my life very quickly, just sort of tip into this like overscheduled, over operational sort of like mode where it's just, um, too structured and so structured that Mm -hmm. there is no time for that, that sort of that whimsy and that playfulness and that time for creativity to actually happen because creativity doesn't happen in a block on your calendar. Let's be honest, (laughs) like that kind of stuff and the serendipity for those ideas to percolate or, um, have those sort of random experiences that help something connect up. It, it, it requires unstructured time. So I guess I structure my unstructured time (laughs) or I, I create space for that unstructured time to happen. I mean, people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan and unstructured time needs planned as well, or else your calendar will monopolize it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, for the, the the more busy and productive you have to be, the more you need to create space for rest and reflection. You know, my, my friend Rob Wellner, um, he told me a story about Gandhi one day, a story that he likes where I think Gandhi's advisors told him that they had a, they had a very busy day ahead for him with twice as much to do as usual. Mm-hmm. And so could he actually skip his morning meditation and get straight to work to which Gandhi replied that if he had two, if he had twice as much work to do, then he'd better meditate for twice as long. (laughs) Yeah. To get it done. (laughs) I mean, how do we make more people uh, okay with that? Like we're also, I can only imagine here you are a senior executive at a great firm when the pandemic hit and we all took to zoom, your calendar probably got filled up to the brim mm-hmm. with the zoom meetings going back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. So how do we, what's the first step to, to rewiring this? I mean, cause 
Because for many years, hasn't it been true that if you walk around looking like you're busy, you get a raise? Isn't that just <laughs> how it works? I'm <laughs> like, what? Uh, I don't know. Maybe for some people. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm no, I'm no expert on like Zoom psychology, but I think we're all for sure feeling the like chained to Zoom, Zoomness and like there's obviously lots of things you can do, like turning off your camera and like finding ways to walk around. Um, but I've just been become like really protective of my, of my time for even just these really simple things, like taking my dog for a walk in the morning and in the evening is like kind of a sacred time for me, especially because I live in Los Angeles. And I, one of the reasons that I really like living here is the weather and the, um, the environment, like the way the plants look, the way the sunlight hangs on things. Like I find it really inspiring, really creative. And I find that when I'm walking around and I'm just like looking at stuff, (laughs) like the same stuff on my street every week, um, that's often when a lot of my ideas start to kind of like click together for me. There's something about like looking at those Dr. Seuss like plants and thinking about things in a very unstructured moment that is really important. And so even something as simple as that, like bookending my day and I I will definitely like end meetings being like, I got to take my dog out now. Like he's going to pee on the floor if I don't, which is true, but it's also a way to like be extremely protective of that time that's not just for taking my dog out but also Mm -hmm. just looking at some weird plants and having some weird thoughts (laughs) now it's what's interesting is you didn't talk about you highlighted the the strategy of walking down the same block with the same view with the same dr seuss trees with the same this to have new creative ideas Instead of someone else saying, oh, yeah, I got to fly to this new country and I got to read this new book and I got to do this new thing and new, 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 new to have a creative spark. Hmm. Do you realize what you said? Yeah. Interesting, huh? It is. I'm like a, um, I mean, obviously, I love having new experiences and adventures and ideas, too. And like, that's a really important thing. And to get back to what you said earlier, I think in that blog post that was in a different time in my life, living in New York, running into people, really exciting. Um, I actually have a strategy for how I sort of make that happen now too in the pandemic, which I can tell you about in a Mm. sec. But Mm -hmm. I, I think there's like, there's value to, to both ends of that spectrum. And I'm also a highly routine oriented person. Like I've learned that my best creative work happens with a fair amount of structure. Like I'd say like 80% of the time is pretty structured around routine. And then 20% of it is like anything could happen. Um, And that's sort of what works well for me. Like that's a good mix. Of course, everybody's different, but um, the way that I sort of make those like connections and sparks happen in conversations with people is I actually, throughout the pandemic, I scheduled like a lot of recurring phone calls with some of my closest friends and people that I feel 
like we just usually get a lot of energy from each other talking to each other and if we if we don't need the t- if we don't have time to talk to each other it's like no big deal we just cancel the call but what it means is that i've actually sort of got this time to check in with people i care about and talk to them about whatever is going on and i've found that to be a pretty decent stand in for what used to happen, which is I would be at an event or I would be at a party or something, which obviously is happening, not not, not happening right now. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And while it is a little structured and there's definitely some nights where I'm kind of like, oh, do I really want to get on the phone and talk to this person? I've had such a long day. It's actually not that different from like, oh, do I really want to get on the train and go to this like happy hour right now. And then you do, and then you have an interesting conversation and you're like, wow, I'm so glad I did that. Or you don't. And you're like, cool, I just needed to rest. And so, um, that's been my, (laughs) that's been my pandemic hack for ensuring that those kinds of like conversations that can create sparks can still happen. Hmm. Conversations that create sparks. You know, it's so interesting because, um, you know, when, when you think of, when you think of sparks, um, you know, you think of these aha moments, um, but, but what is the opposite of an aha moment is what you just described, right? Creativity doesn't come from some random chance encounter. It comes from strategic studying and studying and new looking from this and new Mm -hmm. looking and and then an aha moment will come, but it's mm-hmm. only through hardship and hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's like that saying, um, action creates motivation, not the other way around is just, it, it's, it's so true and important to remember that in creativity that, yeah, I think a lot of people do have this, or like creativity has been mischaracterized as this lightning bolt that sort of strikes you from above, like mm-hmm. aha moment. And actually, and I think I talked about this once in one of the talks that I gave, it's more like waiting for the sky to get like really dark and stormy. And then the lightning comes, right? Like that's how it works in nature. And so like, how do you create all those clouds? Like how do you create that mm. sort of dark, moody, stormy environment for yourself? Well, it happens through that work and through that study and those conversations and that um, practice and those those habits and routines and rituals and all of the things that you do in tiny little pockets of time every single day so that you have created the opportunity to have that dark and stormy sky so that the lightning strikes because that's the only way that I know how to do it. <laughs> hmm. Well, it's the only kind of evolutionarily backed scientific way that we create change, right? It's not from the the cuddle puddle, woo woo, clear limiting beliefs. The sky is blue all the time. And here comes an innovative thought. No, there's no evolutionary benefit to reliving positive emotions or pretending like things are perfect all the time. Nothing would ever change. Mm -hmm. Evolution, evolutionary biology beings change and innovate in order to solve a problem, right? It's the resilience through adversity that creates creativity. And so how do we, how do you 
how do you get people to appreciate those those dark cloudy moments more mm-hmm. as a vehicle <laughs> for creative self-expression like how do you convince people that it's cool to communicate a vulnerable dark cloud moment knowing that it might shake some shit up and people might actually be inspired to do something because of it yeah it's tricky i mean like it's a fine balance and i think it's different for every creative group for every type of collaboration, definitely for every company. And having worked in a few different company cultures, I can say that it is really hard to figure that out. Like that's one of the first sort of most difficult steps to creative work is kind of like sussing out that vibe and figuring out like, okay, where are we sort of on the like radical candor scale? Where do we need to be? Like, how can I get to a point where I've established that trust where I can like get really real with people? And um, it's also a thing where like having those long-term relationships, I think really, really helps and is so beneficial because when you can work with people you've worked with before and you've already established some of that, some of those clouds, <laughs> definitely, definitely gets so much easier to get to that like creative collaboration moment where you can have like a spark sooner. And also, I think a healthy mix of like um, having done it lots of times before, like keep sort of like trying at similar problems as well as being open to new ideas. Like, I think that's a really tough balance to strike too. Like I keep on sort of poking at the same problem, which is like platforms for self-expression. Like I feel that uh, self-expression is what helps create more diversity and interesting cultural fabric in our world. I want everyone to feel like they can express themselves as easily as possible in the medium that feels good to them. And I've worked on this in music, in video, now in photo too. And it's, um, it's just, that's the thing that I kind of keep coming back to. Like, it sort of seems like it doesn't matter how hard I try to do something else. My brain just sort of keeps coming back to there, which is like, okay, how do we, how do we make this better? And so having that kind of healthy mix of like, okay, I've worked on this problem a lot of different ways before. I know kind of what works or what has worked in other scenarios. I know what doesn't work. How do I use all of those stormy clouds now that we've got this metaphor going to um, inform what could be a next bolt of lightning while also keeping myself really open to new ideas and still being curious and still being kind of like having a little bit of that naivety um, that like finding that balance, I think is, is really tricky too with a group as well. Um, and so having a good mix of humans that can help provide those different types of insights is, is helpful, but I don't think I have like a <laughs> silver bullet answer for your question, except no. that it takes time and rapport and trust and relationships are so critical to the creative process. Thank you for going there. Um, I might challenge. Sure. One word you said. Yeah, go for it. You you use the word naive, naivete, naivete, mm-hmm. naive, that thingy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now that's that's the that's like an innocence or a quality of being inexperienced, uh, without wisdom or judgment. Mm-hmm. 
and and you just communicated that if you stay in that mindset, uh, ignoring uh, what's around you, uh, then that might lead to creative self-expression. I just want to challenge that you didn't mean what you thought you meant. Hmm. I'm not sure I quite understand what your challenge is. Could you? I yeah. I might have to re-listen to the podcast. And I'm. <laughs> I I just I know you saying the word wasn't. Uh, I I think you're advocating for people to sit in the shit. Look for the dark storm moments, knowing that lightning strikes will follow. Mm -hmm. That the grateful processing of unpleasant memories leads to a whole rewiring of the brain. Hope, pride, optimism, self-confidence, self-efficacy, creativity, Mm -hmm. innovation. It's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But but then you said something about being naive Mm. or or something. I'll have to re-listen to it, but. I think you get where I'm going. Yeah, I think I understand what you're challenging. I think what I'm what I'm advocating for what what works for me, right? Because like this is just what works for me. I don't know about other uh-huh. people. Is like I try to balance like gaining experience and letting that like um letting that sky get sort of dark and stormy and and sitting in the shit as you say and like having all these experiences. All of that is really helpful because it um, it helps me continue to turn over certain problems in my brain and look at them through new lenses, new angles to come up with more interesting, different, deeper creative solutions. Like some of the things that I feel like I'm working on now, I've been working on versions of this for years. And I'm, I like that. I feel very satisfied by that because I, I like that type of work that has, um, I guess like deep and complex problems that there's no one solution to, or that you can keep on iterating on over time as like technology and the world and culture changes. But also I've noticed that if I kind of let my experience get the better of me, (laughs) I can shut myself down and I can like prevent my own lightning from happening. And so there's, There's something about kind of letting like, I don't know, we'll just go with the sky metaphor here, but there's something about kind of keeping a little hole open in the sky, which is like my sort of my childlike self, my sort of Mm. fresh brain, Mm -hmm. like the the brain that doesn't know better. You know what I mean? Because sometimes ideas come in that like my first immediate reaction is like, oh, that would never work. That didn't work in this other place or this is complicated because of X, Y, Z or like, uh, and then I kind of force myself to like rewind that a little bit and think of it through this slightly more naive lens. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes there's something there that's actually really interesting and, and powerful. And I think that this is not new. Like artists have been doing this for years. In fact, like whole art movements have been built around unlearning the notions of things like perspective and like painting in without it. Um, like that was a, that was a whole art movement. Um, and so like, there's plenty that exists around unlearning and unwinding and trying to not let your experience get the better of you, especially when you get to a certain place in your career where I think it can become sometimes too easy to rely on your past solutions 
And so that's sort of what I mean by that naivety. Like when I think back to the beginning of my career, I did some crazy stuff that like I would never do now. (laughs) I know better. But also in that crazy stuff, even though like I'd say, you know, maybe 50% of it or 80% of it wasn't great, there was like some small percent of it that was actually really intriguing and really worked. And so how do you make sure that you can still keep that curiosity, that sort of childlike Mm -hmm. um, version of the world and not become someone that is, I guess, uh, sort of too in the dark and stormy clouds. (laughs) I hear you on that. I hear you on that. I mean, to, to have a, you know, to have a, an element of, you know, a, a youthful optimism, um, you know, almost like blind faith. Um, that, that is needing that. Well, let me collect my thoughts. Needing, needing. So, hmm. Yes. Uh, (laughs) There's a whole deep path that I haven't even thought of that uh, a hypothesis would be that um, using, I want to bring the word psychological safety into this somewhere. How? I'm thinking that um, if someone lacks the psychological safety needed to speak up an innovative, internal, creative idea, then what helps them get through that? Maybe if someone feels like they've been burned too much, uh, too many dark skies, then they lack the psychological safety needed to speak up a creative idea. But if they have that youthful, childlike, playful exuberance and optimism, then they speak it out without fear, without perspective that they've been wronged before. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That was beautiful. That was not my that part. Was, your part. No, your part. Your part. Your part. Your part. <laughs> and to your sort part. of, I, th- I think to sort of like bring it back full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning, this is where giving yourself credit is so important. And, yeah. um, and like it just, it keeps us honest with ourselves too, because when we give ourselves credit for what we actually do, we're not, and we're not overstating, but we're being very real about what we've done. Um, then we take these moments to go like, Hey, you know, I was open to being more curious than I normally would be in that moment. And even though I've been burned on this particular thing multiple times before, I'm like, I'm like willing to give it another shot and I'm going to look at it in a different way. And there's, there's reasons why it might work this time. Like obviously not just doing things out of blind faith, but like, you know, maybe something's changed or maybe there's some new tool or maybe there's some new trend who knows. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, and the, the kind of really cool thing about giving credit is that it's infinite. Like unlike things like energy, Mm -hmm. there's more than enough of it to go around but also you kind of need to give it to yourself first, I think, before you can give it away to others. And so mm-hmm. coming back to what you said about that psychological safety to give other people credit for having maybe the crazy naive idea, <laughs> um, it starts with it starts with yourself so that you've got that credit to give. Thank you for teaching us that. 
right? When, when, when you take on the risk, the social risk of uh, coming up with some innovative idea, and you share it in small group format, um, that, that risk, when you give gratitude to that risk, it leads to flow. It leads to the opposite of inferiority or guilt or role confusion or isolation or stagnation. It leads to initiative and industry and identity and intimacy and generativity and creativity. And the, the only shift is gratitude. Giving gratitude to that creative expression is the action that will help you overcome mm, dark, troubling times from your past. Interesting. I think that's probably a, a key element of it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other nuance there, I think, especially in a group totally. group setting for idea generation, for sure. But um, yeah, giving credit to yourself first so that you can give it to others is a, like a hard-earned lesson of, of mine. <laughs> Well, Hannah, if, if you were on this call with yourself here today, right right here, right now, what would you say to yourself? You're doing great. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> Look at how far you've come. Um, I, I feel like I need to like stop and remind myself of that pretty regularly because otherwise uh, I don't. And when you don't, also like lack of acknowledgement is one of the top reasons for burnout. And of course, it's really important that we get acknowledged by others in our work and in our jobs. And unfortunately, this is easier for some than it is for others. And that's important to, to recognize as well. But starting by acknowledging ourselves, I think, is a really great way to start uh, preventing that burnout cycle, which is a very you know, a huge problem for anyone that does creative work for a living. I'm sure if Hannah was listening today, <laughs> she, she would take a step back, <laughs> take a deep breath and look up at all that stuff flying through her career. And she'd say, holy shit, I am somewhere. Well, What's Hannah's love language? Is you that ever read Gary Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages? I have, uh, or I haven't read the book, but I am familiar with the concept. I mean, and um, I feel like I did like some online test about this at some point, and I'm trying to remember. Well, just search through it in your email. What it browser. was? It's like. <laughs> my notes somewhere but i i think i think like actually now that you mentioned that like words of affirmation might have been up there <laughs> so mm. good for you connecting those dots well i don't know i don't know you, you well enough to compliment you on many things that you might want to seek compliments on but i will say that I would like to give gratitude to you and compliment you on your ability to sit still for an hour and to dive into the past, reflect, connect the dots, and come up with some amazing stories to tell. And I thank you for that. 
Well, thanks for because... giving me the opportunity. This was this has been fun. <laughs> of course. Hey, you you were the one who started this off in our pre in our pre chat when you told about your friend who got a DM from someone and your friend said, Hey, that's a great question. But I'd love to have this conversation in a public forum instead of just in private. Mm. So that other people could benefit. And I just feel like I've been talking to a friend I've known for a long time. And I know our listeners are getting a lot of benefit. <laughs> <laughs> so I thank you for that. Any last words in closing? No, I think my last word is just thanks again for this opportunity and for the really fun, um, interesting conversation today. We got to cover gratitude and stormy skies and Dr. Seuss plants and all sorts of other things in between. And this is definitely one of the more, um, yeah, unusual <laughs> podcasting things <laughs> I've done. So <laughs> thanks for keeping it real interesting, Chris. This was a lot of fun. I dig it. Well, Hannah, thank you for coming on and, and to all our listeners. I hope you enjoyed that one. I mean, look, it's, um, it, I'll do something that you know, that, uh, that I hope Hannah does more after this podcast, which is kind of let's, let's pause and re-listen to what we just went through and then appreciate that this isn't some like unsuccessful person I'm talking to about such wacky ideas. This is tried and true on the battlefield, very well-respected tech entrepreneur and design leader that just shared some radical perspectives. And so if you're sitting here thinking that your world has been asking you to dial down your personality, to turn it down, to acquire a corporate polish, well, now you're speaking Hannah's words because she's been through that. It's not about dialing. It's about modulating. And what you just heard today is a way to modulate and turn your personality into a creative expression that you can share with the world. So go out and do something about it, please. The world needs it. The world needs a lot more interested people, interested in the trials and tribulations of others, willing to engage in brave conversations like these. So thanks for tuning in here today. Hannah's everything is going to be in the show notes below her, uh, her sub stack, you know, her, her blog, um, let go and haul advice to her younger self and her other contact info will be there. Reach out. She's got some groovy things to talk about and we're excited to have you along for the journey. So keep tuning in, hit that subscribe and share button and keep coming back. As we bring bring on some groovy leaders to keep talking about some of the unique nonlinear ways they've gotten to the great success they've achieved. Doing it the right way. Hope y'all are having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, it's your world. Go explore. We'll see you next episode. Mm-hmm.